your neighborhood. I want to see what happens. See if yeah. anybody sees me. No. <laughs> Let's tell me. Tell me what the B-roll like. What's the audio that you, know, you like, need from the mission? Um, what do you need from the mission? Someone yelling? No, just kidding. Well, you know, this block they were walking used to be all like auto shops. Oh, or they used yeah. to be like auto supply places and then glass places. Like um, they would sell big glasses for like like windows like this. Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey what's happening? How are you doing? How are you? Good, good. This is my friend. Oh, you know how you ran? Can I hug you? Yeah, of course. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I saw you went to the Prince cover band. Hi, Rosalie. You know it was the symphony version? Oh, wow. Dude, it was nothing like a symphony. Oh, my God. It was all Prince music? All Prince. Whoa, where at? It was at the Mason Place. Yes. the Sun. Did you go? No. We are big Prince fans. Oh man! And is actually, home, like, is it traveling or is it just here? Um, it's traveling. Oh yeah. Okay. okay how long have you guys been here, living here? At this place. Yeah. Seventy-eight. Nineteen seventy-eight. And uh, you guys know I was born and raised here, right? And like, yeah, so were we. Like walked. I every time I walk down here, I feel like you are one of the most consistent things that I, it's always here. You know what We're I mean? Like I told you, like if there was a camera here, you guys um, would have captured my whole growing up, just walking For up real? and down. Yeah, that's like, true. Aww. Well, always a pleasure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You too. All right. I'm so glad you guys are still here. If I don't see you, I don't know where I'm at. Okay. Bye, you guys. Bye. I'm glad you guys are still here. If there was a motto for the old Mission District, this would be it. A little nod of solidarity for the Mission District of auto body shops and the Bayright Market and taquerias like La Cumbre where Carlos Santana washed dishes and pressed tortillas long before you could amble down to Lazy Bear and have a $300 meal anchored by Miyazaki ribeye and natural wines. I am not from the Mission District. When I went to live with my father from middle school on, I was mostly on the west side of San Francisco, trapped under a heavy layer of fog with a bunch of Chinese and Russians and Jews. But even from out there, you knew that the Mission was the heart of San Francisco. It had this weird sunny microclimate. It had stoop life. It had that big old Mission building that gave San Francisco its name in the first place. Santana once called the Mission District a jukebox, that there was a constant open-air soundtrack of music from cars, from conversation from the stoops, calls from street vendors. It was a neighborhood of families, strivers, hustlers, artists, all out in the open. But the Mission has also always been abused, neglected by politicians, eyed hungrily by developers. San Francisco is America's perennial boomtown, and the newcomers forget every single time that this was a mestizo city from the start. My goal in the next few episodes is simple. I want to see if those guys are still there, to see if the jukebox is still playing, if the latest insidious boom pre-COVID, which was the rise of the tech bro, has changed this place dramatically. I couldn't start those conversations off in a better spot than with artist and activist Vero Mahano. Together with her partner, the photographer Carrie Orvik, she is part of one of my favorite indie artist power couples. She is also deeply, truly from this place, born and raised, ready to remember and defend and correct and clarify. We recorded this episode before COVID or any of the ensuing bullshit, but you'll recognize the themes of persecution in her work about Los Siete, seven Latino boys railroaded for the killing of a San Francisco police officer in 1969. And yet, you'll also hear in this conversation that Vero has a far less combative view of change and cultural conflict than even I do. There's a grace in the way she handles these shifting streets of the mission, which is sort of humbling and extraordinary. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you are listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. Let's have a drink. All right. Salute. Salute.
Shit. That's a that's a double dank IPA. Yeah, I think it's a double something. That's super good. So Carrie said it was light. Oh, it's uh just says West Coast IPA, yeah. which that's all I need. That's that's the only yeah. recommendation. Yeah. Um, so this is I haven't seen, I haven't drunk a lot of beers that have been signed to the person who opened it. Oh, them. yeah. Um, somebody somebody's, did a signature of this for yeah, you. Yeah, um, it's called La- Laughing Monk. It's a brewery here in the Bay Area in the Bayview. And uh, a friend of mine's, he did the artwork for this Dolores Huerta oh, okay. special edition beer. And um, proceeds go to her foundation. That's badass. So, so that's the that's the guy who signed. Yeah, Josue Rojas. Yeah, so you oh, had man. us signing. I'm like, wait, I know what beer we could drink. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that is a limited edition, man. Totally. Yeah, and we're not going to recycle that bottle. It's beautiful, man. It's like yeah. a, uh, it's got a little like kind of crystal outline shape, uh, and then a just like this fantastic painting of Dolores Huerta, and the uh, the beer is called Hermana Dolores. Yeah, it looks like she has fair posted hair. <laughs> <laughs> it meant a little bit, yeah. So I thought it would be cool to share the beer, this beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, yeah, and um, Jose has he's a Bay artist, born and raised here. So I thought it would be cool since we're talking about the mission. Yeah, how many of you are there now? There's still like, a couple of us around, you know. Yeah. Like it all depends. Like there's the old school mission art school. Some of them are around, and yeah. Um, and the mission homie artists like myself are around like there's a couple of us right it's like a, but it's like a venn diagram of endangered species right yeah. it's like mission locals and then like you know artists in, yeah. in san francisco like you know the economy is coming for you from both directions right? yeah and i mean i feel sometimes like cab drivers if when i take a cab that a lot of cab drivers are ogs that have been around here for a long time and i feel like if you've been here in san francisco more than 20 years she could discount somewhere, you know? Yeah, that's funny. You know, they have that in, um, in, in actually in Key West. The other place where I grew up was, uh, they'll give you like a locals card and you can go in just because all the prices are so jacked up. But here you would need discounts for, you need like housing you yeah, know, discounts. Yeah, a voucher for housing. Right, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, this was the thing when I came back for my uh, whatever th- high school reunion, everybody had gone. Like, yeah. They, nobody could, the only people who were still living in San Francisco were in their parents' homes. That's right, because you're from here, right? From yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from the west side. I'm from the yeah. Richmond district. And, you know, it's the same problem. I went to Lowell High School in the That's southwest. Right. And, like, you know, everybody's got good jobs or, or they don't. It doesn't matter. Like, they can't afford to live here mm-hmm. anymore. So, it's, uh, yeah, it was crazy to just see the, the big exodus. Um, but let's start, let's uh, get right into that. I mean, to be totally honest, like, I think the reason why I'm doing, you know, this as a few episodes, that's just like San Francisco in the mission is just knowing you and following you and having been so excited about what you've been up to and the stuff I've been seeing from afar, uh, particularly with Remember Los Siete. And it just reminded me that there's this, this like ocean of memory and art that you are working with that people just don't know about when it comes to San Francisco. And I want to kind of dive into that. So, so tell me, tell me about that project and we'll just, we'll just get from there. So remember Los Siete is the last piece, last project that I just finished in April and it was a live cinema production. And it's the, it was this year is the 50 year anniversary of um, the of Los Siete movement, Los Siete de la Raza. And in 1969, seven Central American young men were accused of killing a white police officer in the mission. Um, they were acquitted. It took like almost two years for them to get acquitted, but also a lot of um, a lot of movements in the mission were created out of that, trying to free Los Siete and a collaboration with like the Black Panthers. Uh, Los Siete, La Raza organization had like a, a magazine called Basta, uh, excuse me, a newspaper called Basta Yeah, that was published together with the Black, the Black Panthers. Black Panthers lend their lawyer, Gary, um, Charles Gary, who was, uh, you're familiar with Charles Gary, the people's lawyer? Yeah, yeah. I saw clips of him going off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that you used in your show, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was great. Like, I mean, it's so powerful. And I actually, I knew about Charles Gary through um, other, uh, there's a documentary about him, and it's just, it, you know, he was called the people's lawyer. So, um, yeah, I decided to tell this story. I mean, I worked on it forever, ever, and um, 
luckily the 50 year anniversary was coming up and that was kind of like the if you don't do it now it's not going to happen you know and and what was it i mean los siete was obviously these were kids who were arrested said they'd killed a white cop mm -hmm. uh it, the charges were like super thin they were ultimately acquitted but as you know the people's lawyer was saying in that that clip like they'd spent like over a thousand days in jail collectively and i guess it just the whole setup was so outrageous that that was finally like a breaking point for for this neighborhood or mm -hmm. for this community is that i mean is that was that well, the experience of it i think it's the first time really organizing happening in the in in the mission district at the time and it was, you know, like most movements organi in organizing who instigate that are young people. So there were a lot of young people. There were young men. Young people were their friends and who were inspired to do that. And a lot of, actually, a lot of the young folks were also doing a lot of work at the SF strike. So SF strike was happening right around that time also. So they were, um, so a lot of these kids, and I say kids because they were like 20 years old, were starting to get um, inspired by organizing. You know, like some of them, they were at the Huey Newton um, rally at the federal building, and they were all like raising their little red Mao um, bugs. And they happened to be, one um, Donna James happened to be standing by one of the police uh, motorcycles, and she heard like the, you know, um, what do you call it, like the announcement that the cops are looking for these people. When she heard the names, they're, they're like, yo, that's our homies. And actually one of them was with her that there was one of the suspects that they wow. were calling. So, yeah, I think that there was, it was that that incident really was an important marker for a lot of folks to continue to, to organize. And through this, to this day, they're still organizing, you know? And was it the sense that these were like political arrests or is it just a, a symptom of like the systemic racism where they would just frame up any Central American kids and say that they had done this? I mean, as you know, like San Francisco doesn't have a good reputation with police officers and people of color. I mean, if you think about it compared to today, it's the same story. The only story is that there is justice for the young boys who were accused of the crime. And yeah, I think it, it became very political, you know. And then also it became political of how to talk to the community about um, freeing these boys and, and continuing and how people can get involved. Like at um, some community folks, like the parents, um, they, the parents, they had their ideas of what the Black Panthers were. So, and other organizations were trying to figure out: is it a good collaboration? How mm -hmm. is how are people going to take that? Until so they started flying um, images of the young boys, and they said it in English and in Spanish: "This could be your son." So that's when a lot of parents started to organizing. Hmm. I mean, as far as that's what I'm told. Yeah. So when you decided, and yours was toward the end of a, it's really like a month of kind of programming and exhibitions and different people yeah. having a say about the 50th anniversary. Yeah, I mean, because I wanted to make sure like my expression of the of the story of Los Siete is through my lens as an artist, a storyteller, my connection through it on, on a personal level. But I also wanted to make sure that that people got other hits of it like you know some more people are more interested in the actual facts the history of it i collaborated with many organizations and they they hosted like panels with people who were the women who were, were part of los siete we did a there was an art ex exhibition with yolanda lopez and fernando martin a poetry night a bike tour so there's a bike tour of, no with poder, with um yeah poder so I was really excited about that because it's very site specific, you know, and, yeah. to, and you know, people were just going around bikes and telling this is what happened here and not just where the incident happened, but actually what other organizations were inspired from that, that incident. Right. So they could, you could visit storefronts and different, yeah. you know, um, maybe activist shops or something mm -hmm. all in the mission today and still see them all as like a, uh, an echo of what happened back yeah, then. Yeah. And I, and I think people... You know, like some people, that's, you know, people learn and gather information differently. Like, I think site-specific space is really important for people. And their um, headquarters was at, you know, do you remember Lo Paulina's Pizza? Yeah, yeah. Well, they just closed down, but that was Los Siete's uh, um, headquarters. No kidding. Yeah. So that was the place where everybody gathered, gathered to try yeah. to, like... To organize, plan. They also yeah. had, like, a small restaurant. They yeah. served, They would sell some food and stuff for people. 
That's so crazy. I mean, it is. it does sound a lot to me like the Central Park Five or something, just mm-hmm. like this seminal, defining miscarriage of justice, you know. And obviously it worked out a little differently. It took a lot longer for Central Park Five. But, yeah. um, but you know, it's the same... It's that same thing. It's like where, you know, sometimes it takes a single moment, you know, to get people to, to, I guess, just realize their collective strength or something. I don't know. But the mission, you know, it's almost like that was the beginning of the organizing. But certainly that was not the end of the trouble, you know. Yeah. And trouble has come for this neighborhood in so many different ways over the years. Um, And it really... It, it feels like it's here now, but I, I definitely want to, I don't know, I want to ask you about that stuff and, and kind of what, uh, what, what's happening these days. But, but, you know, let's talk more about the, the actual exhibition and the kind of multimedia thing that you put mm-hmm. together. What, was, what were some of your choices and like how you decided to present it and how that came together? Well, you know, when I was first working on this project for a very long time, I thought it was going to be a documentary, but I'm I just learned that quickly that that it wasn't my actual voice to do a documentary. I'm not a journalist, and I was invited to do storytelling, and I started doing live storytelling. And um, around the same time, I had access to all this um, archival footage, and I was really interested. I just fell in love with the footage, and I'm like, I don't want to cut it, you know, because it's just to leave it whole. And I have a friend, um, Sam Green, who's been doing live cinema. Also, and he just takes it to up. I mean, it's bigger, but um, I was really influenced about that and thinking like, oh, well, like, I can do that. Like, it's more, um, I I can do that. And so I started experimenting with that and it kind of worked out. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I know you had collaborated with Pop Up uh, mm-hmm. Magazine before, and it's got some of that vibe, but without, yeah, I guess, you know, some of that hipsterism that might be in there. I don't know. It's like much yeah. more personal. And, uh, well, I, th- I think Pop Up's great. I mean, yeah, I actually did my first chapter there years ago, and I, I'm always inspired about, oh, wow, they went there with it. Okay. like, um, and just, And it's also what's great about it is you have to be present to see the performance. You can't watch it later on and stream it. It's an experience that you have to be with other people and in the present, and I really like that about it. Did you do the same thing with your show? Because I saw clips of it on Instagram and different things, but uh, but you didn't like record it as a as a solid piece to be. I released. mean, I rec- I recorded it just to document it, you know, yeah. for um, for documentation, and then down the line to maybe apply for other grants for other yeah for other. Um, projects but no you had it was it was all live it's not meant to be something that somebody will connect to on their phone or something no it's meant for there and like it was just uh, especially here in the mission just like oh man like I knew people were going to show up but like the first night just that buzz I was like whoa you could just I could just feel it you know and like that was really nice to see and there was like um people from all kinds of my world like you know the people from the generation of Los Siete, and then like I do harm reduction work, so all the folks from harm reduction were there, and then, um, you know, SF artists, folks, like the OGs, you know, so it was just really nice to have all those combinations of people in, in, in the space, and it was great to work with the band, I think, like... Yeah, you had a sick band. I've oh, seen, my God, that was all great. some, like, practice uh, yeah. stuff, yeah. That was Greg um, Landu, the, the, direct, the music director, and... He just picked the best musicians, you know, he's like, oh, I know who this guy, I know this guy. And then, um, and they were great to, to work with, because I've never worked with the band before, you know, I, I, and just to really be able to work with people and communicate, no, this is the vibe I'm, I'm looking for. And they're like, okay, we got you. And, um, and then just the footage was also another part, like all the elements, you know, like I did the live storytelling, the, and then you have this archival footage. and. It's big. It's just so big. It's so much bigger than all of us, and I love that part about it. And right, because like literally, it's projected on the yeah, wall, and it's just it's like it's huge. It's yeah. so wonderful, though, and like that's exactly how I imagined it. When when you look at that archival footage, do you see like do you feel like there's some that's part of your own memory reel? I mean, you grew up a little bit after this era, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, I nerd out on like stuff that old footage, old um, graffiti, old. I just like that um, that texture of things, you know. But then for this footage to particularly be just around, specifically around the mission, it was just wonderful. 
What did you see? Like, was there a, one scene or something that just kind of brought you back going through all that old You know, but there's this one dolly shot. I call it the dolly shot. So it's from, it's black and white. And it's a little bit, it's not like 1969. I'm going to say it's like 1972 maybe. And it's from 22nd and Mission to 23rd. And it's just someone learning how to use a camera. So it's like a Bolex camera. And it's just a day in the life in the mission. And it's just like, I know when I looked at that footage, I was like, whoa. So then when I share it with the audience, I hear the audience, especially in San Francisco, like, they're like, whoa, you know, and that's a really lovely experience. And then also for folks that have been here for a long time to recognize, even if it's like, that's Newberry's, like people are attached to that, you know, but then... Folks who just got here, they know that street. They're like, wait, that's where, that's where. And I, I feel like it's a way of us sharing a space together instead of like the newcomers and the old comers and that tension, you know? So I think that it's also the footage is um, a catalyst for, for sharing a, a same experience. Huh. That's interesting. Even though it means different things or people see it differently, they all kind of have the same like... Well, because they're here now, you know, yeah. you're here now. You Maybe you go to the bar and that's, I think it's called Bar, 24th Street Bar or something. But but you still have the experience that you recognize that space, you know. So I feel that I'm interested in that with my work too, that people, you know, that quote unquote newcomers can, you, you see people who have been here for, for a while, you see them like reminiscing. And then you get to witness that, but then you're also like, oh, I know that spot. So, And that footage, what's so great about it, like a lot of the footage that I use is just someone learning how to use a camera. Right. And, you know, um, and that was Ray Balberon. And then at the time... That's the filmmaker, Ray Balberon. Yeah. yeah, and he had a small collective called Mission Media Archives where he, he made KQD give them equipment because they didn't have people of color producers at the time. So they got all this equipment and they started making their own films. And I helped him go. You know, time passes, stuff ends up in the bin. Your wife is tired about having this stuff in storage. So I met him. He was also my brother's. Like he, was a lot of, he did a lot of youth work in the mission. He worked with my brother, my cousins. And my job is just to go through the film and kind of organize it for him. And that's how I found a lot of that footage. And I'm like, I'm keeping that. And he was so generous because I'm like, Ray, he goes, hey, somebody else is interested in looking at that. I go, can you wait? I want to premiere it. Like, I want to show it, you know? So a lot of the footage that I had, a lot of people had not seen it It's, before. like, never been seen yeah. before. Wow. So in one of my favorite ones is just birds, someone shooting birds flying and, and some ducks. And I was surprised how it worked because I, I, I have a line that says, can, can we cut to the birds? So then it cuts to the birds, and people are like, I really love the bird part. Like... So uh, that was fun that people were, were into that. It sounds like a lot of your work, and I think I've, I've seen that too, is, like you said, kind of a little bit about just blurring the conflict lines, right? So like that, that, that things are pretty on edge sometimes in this neighborhood with newcomers, as you call them, yeah. you know, like the people who uh, are part of this new economy that is really rough, and then the people who've been here forever, who've been always on the short end, and you know the ability to just shoot some birds and just say like life in the mission isn't just about like us versus them yeah. gentrification um you know street violence or whatever like these hard mm-hmm. things that that the neighborhood has to deal with like sometimes it's just about some birds yeah sometimes yeah there's just moments of like just beauty around and i mean it is a lot of tension i mean i I just think about, I mean, San Francisco wealth, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, I think after Uber, what is it they call when they uh, make it available to everybody? Oh, the IPO? Yeah, like, there's, like, all kinds of new millionaires around, and that just blows me away. Like, we, we don't have a chance, you know? Like, we just... Right, and how many of them are living now in the mission or yeah. on the on the outskirts or in some neighborhood that used to be called the mission but is now called it's something, something else? Yeah, you know. I mean, like, um, yeah, like I'm like, well, we really don't have a chance, and and I feel like I, I could get caught up in all that, but then I wouldn't have made remember Los Siete, and for a lot of my work is like at least for the moment we're archiving this history or this moment of how we knew our neighborhood, you know. So I, I'm really interested in that also in the moment of archiving it, even if it's collectively right now. 
Because so, that's all I have really power of doing right now, you know. Right, you can't change the rental market to make it possible for people to stay, or you can't. Yeah, like, I mean, but there's good people doing good work here, like Meda, um, Calle 24, Plaza 16th. You know, those are like the the folks who are really doing a lot of work to making sure that folks can stick around. And to how I feel like I contribute to that is making these moments that we remember what it was, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe what it can be, like. So you grew up in the mission. You were yeah. born and raised here. Yeah, right um, around the corner from here. And uh, your family had had were, were your parents also from here? They were from El Salvador. They were from El Salvador. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think you've had some breaks, but you've been here, or have you been here the whole time? I've been here. I lived in the East Bay for a blink. Yeah, a while ago, but I've been yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I've been here my whole life. We all make mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and for right. me, I'm like. I mean, the city, sometimes I feel like, damn, everybody found out how the secret of San Francisco, you know? I mean, it's just really, I fought for it every time I come back home, you know? like Right. Yeah, it is that I, I, I get that same feeling. It's like that. I, I even had that coming in yesterday. It's just like, fuck, you know? It's like, that's why they call it California. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, it's got this ridiculous blue sky. and this, The light is perfect. It's uh, not too hot. It's not cold. Even on my way over here, I'm like, this is the perfect temperature right here. <laughs> I know. Like, this, is, this is also, by the way, the, why they hate us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As Californians, because that is exactly the thought. You think that's what Californians are running through in their mind all the time, and it's, it is. Sometimes They're it like, is. I'm it's like, just like, oh, my skin feels so good in this air. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hella Cali, yeah. Like, I have no shame in it. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Now I feel like I was telling Carrie, uh, my partner, like, because, you know, I say, like, I was born and raised here, but... It, I think I could see I'm getting old here right now, you know. And I hope I ha- I'm able to grow old here, you know. Yeah. I I would love to grow old here. Well, I mean, I think one of the things that I find remarkable and kind of generous about the way that you reach across the aisle with some of the work, you know, and 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 are not presenting a, a you know a kind of harder front. Uh, like if people want to hear your stories and get into it, who are newcomers, like you're. You're welcoming them into your art. I think that's it's remarkable because you know, having known you for I don't know, what, 10, 15 years, 15, like yeah. 15 years since you started dating Carrie Orvik, who's a great photographer, who's an old friend of mine. I've been with you guys and seen you know from the outside, but just seen as like like rental instability, mm-hmm. like like can we stay here? Like what's what's happening? Like it's a, I mean, you guys are both artists in San Francisco. Yeah. It's fucking crazy it's like really intense uh just to like maintain a threshold and i would i would see for myself like a a deep bitterness you know maybe i'm just uh uh i just got a bunch of coal in me but i would it would it would it would get to me i had my moments but like um yeah i mean i get it i get it you know sometimes like starting Thursday nights, it's not a good time to be out in the mission on the streets because you can get really upset and, and judgmental and just pissed. And like, because it's all the rich kids out here yeah, playing. Yeah, and nobody's yeah. tripping off me. Like, nobody, you know, every, everybody's hella tall. I'm pretty small. And, like, nobody's tripping off me, and I'm just like, I can't put my energy to that, you know? Like, I, I feel that I can't put it to that. I might as well use it to something else because no one is real. No one sees me. Like, I'm pretty, like, no one sees me just meaning, like, you know, I'm older here in San Francisco. It's a young city. And, like, I mean, I'm not going to say I haven't been there. You know, and I work with the, I've been serving the community that is experiencing homelessness and trauma for, like, more than 20 years. So I work with, like, the one of the really poorest people in San Francisco and who everybody collectively can come and agree a lot of times that they're terrible. Right. 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 So, this is a deeply despised. Yeah. And um, I think collectively, no matter what. Group. Yeah. So I think that sometimes I measure my my own privilege or the people that I serve. And then, you know, like I was used, I used to work somewhere where people would get in line really early in the morning just to get a cup of coffee and be a long ass line. And then you go to tartines, it's the same thing, but it's just a different experience. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I love me some tartines, but I would always just think about the, the comparison of that, you know? Right. It's like everybody standing in line for coffee. For coffee, right. yeah. And like, um, and then, um, yeah, that we all stand in line. I feel like that's one thing I don't like about San Francisco. People be standing in line for all kinds of stuff. 
and like, they'll do it like oh my at every income bracket every, every phase level of life. i'm like that's what i think like no i was born and raised here i was still pay full price but i'm not waiting in line <laughs> like you know it's that's, just like i feel like people love waiting in lines like that is true and I, I i don't know i've always i've always found it hard since you know we've been through the two hype hype bubbles uh here like hard to disaggregate from that but like san francisco is a city where people will see a line and think i need to hop in that line because yeah, yeah. something great is about yeah, to happen. what's going on in that line what's yeah. going on yeah <laughs> and you're just like you know you kind of think about it, you're like that's fucking crazy like yeah. how about you have your own day and not like walk around expecting there to be some like new free launch and you know no you're right because sometimes that my lines and where i come from there's a line it's either like you're to kitchen soup kitchen free coffee or something or free cheese or something i mean growing up you stood in line to get you know your government cheese right. so like yeah government uh, cheese you know so i think that yeah that kind of trips me out i was just walking down was it 29th mission and there was like there's like two pizza places that are really good and this new pizza place opened up and people are hell in line. I'm like, man, there's two pizza joints up the street. Like, but that's that's not how it works. It's just like they need to be on the top. Uh, of yeah. The, but I, yeah, I mean, I remember we used to have living here in the '90s when I was in my 20s. We used to, I mean, we could go, you know, every day of the weekend, like Thursday through Sunday night, just finding ridiculous free parties yeah, yeah. that were thrown by tech companies. Oh yeah, those are the best, man. And just like open bar and like we never knew what the hell we'd get into, like. You know, you went out thinking you were just going to a bar somewhere and then some like tech company with a ridiculous yeah. name thrown an open bar party and then we're in sumo suits wrestling and yeah, then yeah, we're yeah. like somebody's offered us coke and there's like oh, everybody's yeah. just like partying like crazy spending money like like it was, you know, a, just a flammable good. And I, I mean, I, I guess it's it, is it like that now still or is I don't it... get invited to those anymore. I'm not 20, but my friend at that time, I was a, I had friends that were working. I don't know how they got jobs dot com, but they'd be like, yo, come to this party. And I'd be like off the hook. I don't get invited to those parties anymore. I mean, we were just crashing them, but yeah. I guess it's all you need to have the yeah. energy. That's the yeah. thing about if we're if we're sitting here growing old. Together. Yeah, I crashed when we were younger here. I'm like, I'm not trying to do all that. Like, But, um, <laughs> but um, my yeah. friend who worked at a dot com, um, she paid for me and all my friends film. She was do, she had like a, a company card. And I go, man, I'm trying to get it because I was shot. I did my first film on 60 millimeter. I go, man, I got to get a print. She goes, we're at. She goes, just tell me where it's at. Um, and she paid for me and all a bunch of friends to get our films print through their company. Oh, man. I'm yeah. not going to say the name of the company, but like. Oh, I'm sure they're. So she broke us off, you know. So. Well, yeah. And it's funny. It's like you, you have to find those little avenues because there's no actual. I mean, it seems like there's very few avenues for the wealth to move in a good direction. I mean, and I think that, you know, the, the, the thing that I find so just kind of gross about this era this industry is they you know they have the utopian sayings on some level but like it's actually not there you know like the support for anybody who's doing something that's art that's not commercial or that it's like that has maybe real resource needs like they just i don't know i'm just like uh i'm, I'm at a low point in my <laughs> feelings about what tech is doing like it's just I'm sure there's some folks doing some good stuff, I mean, and some terrible stuff, I mean, but I'm just not really exposed to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, like, for some young folks coming to San Francisco, you know, when you're 20, you're naive, and you're just, you're not aware of other things around you, at least I know I wasn't, and sometimes I think, like, maybe they just don't know what they're doing or what they're contributing to or not you know like maybe they're so oblivious I mean you're oblivious at that age for most of us and then you're working in a place that most places where everything is provided for you and you're really almost sheltered from what might be going on I feel like maybe that's how I'm just thinking about that like finding some I don't know maybe understanding I'm not sure if it's compassion but like maybe you just don't know you know Right. So that when they show up here on the party bus on a Friday night and they're just woohooing it, you yeah. know, like it's just how they're, oh, we went to the mission to party. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not in their brain, you know, like, so I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, that, that, that comment about kind of being invisible, that kind of resonates with me. You know, it's like just feeling invisible to, you know, what their plans are, what they thought they were getting, what, mm-hmm. you know, when they came to San Francisco, yeah. what, they, what they see of San Francisco. Um, but I love the idea that working at the resource center. So, so I'm not working there anymore. I work for another place, but yeah. I mean, I still serve, I still work with the same community. Yeah. So working, what's the, what's the name of the new place? I work for a, a study around, um, you know, cause the city's contemplating safe injection sites where people can go right. and, and inject, um, and be safe and not overdose. So what I do is I recruit folks to participate in the study who are injector, who use drugs and, and inject them. Um, to ask him information, like what would that look like? So you you basically and is that a street like uh, just walking down? Yeah, the street, just walk downtown. You know, talk to people. Talk to people who are probably openly openly injecting and just yeah. talking to folks and be like, hey, you want to make twenty bucks? Hey, do you know about the twenty dollars study? Or wow, yeah. What's that? And I mean, it's not. I guess in some ways it's not that different because when you were at the resource center, that's the same population on some level that you were it talking is, to. It is, but it's different. I mean, I do see like, um, I do see there. There's so much folks using opiates right now. Yeah. Because I wasn't seeing it as much as my other job, but then when I'm doing outreach, it's like, oh wow, there's a lot of folks. Yeah, like it's you know, it's not just hype. Right. You know, and there's a lot of fentanyl out there. A lot of young kids are doing it. So. Um, so it's kind of, um, it, it reminds me of the beginning of, you know, needle exchange, mm-hmm. that harm reduction of like, you, you know, turning in your needle. This was to reduce HIV and hepatitis was, we're going to went on 30 years for that. Yeah. So um, it kind of reminds me of that time around um, something radical that may happen and it's to have safe injection sites because it will save people's lives. Where at least if they start to nod off and like... We have Narcan, yeah. yeah. It's bright, you know, it's, you're not, it's, you, you have bright lights or you're, yeah, and all the stuff can happen on the street, you know? Man, that's a trip. And also in that same way, like back in the era when AIDS was coming up, there was, you felt, I mean, I was too young at the point, but I, I remember hearing about that sense of just like people, people starting to die and you didn't mm-hmm. know why, like on the, on the, on the edge of a great catastrophe too mm-hmm. and that's certainly when you talk about like people injecting fentanyl like that's fucking crazy yeah and like i mean it's needle so exchange dangerous. like there's so many needle exchanges everywhere like yeah and it's just we like, don't even think about it right we just you know it's there they're everywhere and it saves a lot of lives a lot of money so um, you're so you're out there downtown some in the mission mostly uh, downtown mostly downtown yeah. just like reaching out spending your day just talking to people yeah, just say hey, you, you know, yeah. you're interested in this and on um, in the study, and a lot of folks are. So, and it's a quick hustle, you know. Yeah. And they're one of the nicest peoples I've I've ever met. Like they're young, they're really uh, sweethearts. And just being talked to is probably like you know by someone who's not from their like well, gr- group, right? Well, yeah, and also like I mean we're harm rejectionists and. Hopefully we're not judging and we, we project that we're not judging you and that we just want you to be safe, you know? Yeah. And yeah. we'll respond to that really well. I mean, we're all human beings too. You know, you know when you've been, when you've had like a, a, a rude or, you know, waiter or, wait or service, you know, so people, you know, you know when you ain't being treated right. So, and everybody loves to hate on fo- folks who are homeless. And then if you're in a, a, a person who uses drugs, it's like even more like it's right. You're you're the actual. It's a, whatever the modern equivalent of the welfare queen is. Like you're like suburbia's like boogeyman. You know. Yeah. You're like someone who's panhandling for drugs. <laughs> yeah, and it's right. like it's easy for the judge. I mean, they're they're so convenient for your judgment. And like I, fortunately, I mean I have I work with folks and I've done it for so long that. Most of the times we're trying to see through that. I mean, we're just concerned about your health. Right. And you can actually, that's like a legitimate, yeah. That's the interesting thing about what you were saying with the newcomers too. It's just like they envision a city that looks a certain way. And one of the reasons people hate the homeless in San Francisco is they, they make the city not this like. Yeah. And there's no space for folks. I mean, I mean, you probably remember like uh, Mission Bay. That's where everybody was at. Everybody had their camps. Um, All the punk rockers that had their squats the the squatters would be over there like the old abandoned beer places around the SPCA, right? Like so everybody had like a spot, you know. I mean nobody wanted to live in the mission. 
Um, people were afraid of the mission. So I just feel that there was space for everybody. And San Francisco is so small. Right. There's like, just literally, there is no space for people, you know? Right. Mission Bay is now just totally redeveloped, yeah. right? And there's... That's where the Warriors are moving. Yeah, wow. Uh, UCSF is under the new Kaiser. Um, yeah, so I, I feel for me that there's all there's always been people who do drugs. And they were all, there yeah. always will be people who do drugs. But I feel like there was a time where people had just had their spots, you know, and you just let people alone. But then I think because of the development of San Francisco, I mean, there's just no space. I mean, right. So every so much traffic now. I think we're one of the biggest people, uh, cities with a lot, so much traffic. You know, it's like New York out there. Like <laughs> it's crazy. I know. I've seen that. I've seen that just coming up. I mean, I took Bart from the airport this time. I was like, no fucking way. I'm yeah. getting on the 101. You know. And that's, but that's the same thing is like, um, the city is just full of the seams and then, you know, it's easy for blame to kind of, I guess, run downhill, <laughs> you know, uh, and land on the people who have to do what they have to do out and out in the open. Yeah. Folks just trying to survive. I mean, like, um, and it's not pretty. I, I totally agree with that, but it's the work that I'm in, you know, it's who I serve. And, and what has that done with your art? I mean, you said personally, it gives you perspective to not feel more invisible than them, to not feel more left out of the system. I think I'm more visible than them. People yeah. see them because, you know, people, I think when I say I'm invisible, like I'm, I'm, it's such a young city now. I mean, you think about it like, um, when you were in San Francisco in your twenties, I don't think there were people who that you were their audience. There, you are the marketing that they want to get. Right. You have to get the young people. I mean, I think maybe MTV was the first time that, and they were still look so much older than me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I just think that it's such right. a youthful city. Even like the menus, I'm like, why do people like to eat? What are those things called? They're um, hush puppies now. Um, they're like a potato. They're like a French fry, but they're square. Um, used to get them in cafeterias. Oh yeah, hash browns. Like little baby hash browns, yeah. but like um, I forget what they're called. But I'm like, wow, that's such a little kids thing. And I'm like, oh, because <laughs> it's a twenty year old <laughs> diet uh, appetite. Because that's probably what they grew up eating when they were little. So it's still continuing, you know? Like so you're just seeing like a very hipsterized version of the kids' menu all around town. I think town. so. It's a very male, yeah. Like That's it's awesome. like the ch- chicken sandwich with all this kind of stuff on it. And I'm like, okay, I'll get a bite. But like it's just, uh, or the waffles and like, yeah, I think it's a menu for mostly young boys too that they grew up eating that. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love that. Somebody just somebody should do a breakdown of like the uh, hipster kids menu. Yeah, uh, you for go, the young men of San Francisco. It's big chicken tenders, chicken something, and like, <laughs> um, or um, what's the other one? Oh, one time I was at a donut shop, just regular donut shop, and um, I was just watching people ordering who's gonna order what, you know, and then all the um, young white boys be like. I'll get the one with the sprinkles. The sprinkles. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I want one with the sprinkles. I got to see what's up with that. Like, but and, I think it's and like. And how did it do it? It was okay. You? But I think it was a childhood thing. You know, like I'm a, right. I like a donut hole myself, you know. Um, but I was like, oh, wait, that's probably because they look like they were maybe 12. I don't know. They look like they were 12, but they're probably 20 something. I'm like, oh, I bet that was a donut that they liked when they were little. Like, oh, that's the, that is the thing. Um, yeah. yeah. It's probably like a bigger size menu. I mean, my stomach can't take it, you know? Like, <laughs> you get, it's like you get old, like the system shutting down. Yeah, it's just we like, should, I, I should clarify because we haven't said this. You are not old. You are older. I'm older, yeah, yeah but, but I'm you're like, about they my could be age. my kids that's saying like... Well, that, um, is, that, is, that is definitely true. Um, but no, it is that thing. It's like, and that's what they always say, especially about women as they get older, is it just like that feeling of just being made invisible. Yeah. But at the same time... Oh, I love like, it because I get to like eavesdrop and just hear and like um, and get information and what people are talking about. So for me... It's, it's like gathering stuff, information, like, um, right. You get to, uh, to, to, to bear witness without like them bringing whatever energy to you. Like you're just there. Oh yeah. And then notice what everybody's wearing. Like I guess all the, like everybody wears white shoes, like white sneakers, like white, uh, the old school Adidas with a little bit of flooding your pants. And I'm like, Oh, that's cute. I see. Like 
It's such part of the uniform is the white shoes, you know. And, you see it coming in. Um, yeah, and I mean, they're working it too. And I mean, I, some of the fashion, and that's the thing of the, um, the beauty of youth, like everything looks cute on you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> these, these lucky motherfuckers. But you know, like I do, I, I just check them out like as like gathering information and um, what are they talking about? Like, yeah. So how does how does that that part and and like the work you do downtown stuff how does that affect your art like what what do you what do you take out of that that is useful that makes your art what it is I don't know if this is related so um, the my project remember Los Siete got um, got got a little bit of press like a couple people did articles and I was going to work in the TL and uh, where where I recruit people in there, the Tenderloin in the TL in yeah. the Tenderloin there was this guy. Uh, this older white guy, you know, his 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 back is like all bent, and like he said, "Hey, you was in the paper. You did that thing about Los Siete, right on." And um, then later on, I'm walking down the street, and this woman that I know for a long time, and she's like, "Yo, V, I got your photo up in my room, in my you know, she probably means a, S- a SRO." And a couple people, other clients saw it. Like they didn't see the performance, but. I could see how um, just the love that I got from folks yeah, seeing that. That's like, so cool. Like man. I was like, that's it. That's like people like, how do you know it was successful? I said, when the homies on the street have told me they read something about me and they haven't even seen it and just the love that I got. Right. So I feel like, and these are mostly all the clients that I worked, some of them for many years. So I feel like that's how I feel connected, you know, like that. It, that was such, you know, like I got a lot of love for the, for the Los Siete, but that was really special to get it from folks on the street like that. Right. Because they haven't even seen it. They just read about it and saw me, you know. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I guess they would know know what it's about and know what you're about, right? Yeah. That this is, this is something that's paying attention to another side of the city. Yeah. And they read it, you know. They're like, I like when you talked about this part. They're like, one said, how come you wear the Keith Haring hat, not the Virgen Guadalupe hat? And I had to tell them why, and they're like, oh, all right, all right, all right, because we're like, we liked your photo, but you should wear your other hat, because like, I wear a lot uh, of different hats. All right, well, <laughs> uh, let me let me take it from people who are better at interviewing than me. Why did you wear the Keith Haring hat um, and not the Virgen de Guadalupe hat? I worked the Keith Haring hat. It was the radiant child, because um, his whole background around that is that you know, we're all born as radiant children, and that, because a lot of the guys of Los Siete, some of them, they weren't able to, like they had one foot on the street and the other foot in the movement. And like sometimes you lean as a little bit to the corners and all that. And some of them, you know, they were just weren't able to commit but to the movement, but got caught up on some of, some of the guys got locked up, did some prison time. And that's um, just to remember that they were boys, you know, they were young boys at the time. So... And I, I like the idea of, I mean, I think Keith Haring also, because just what was happening to a lot of gay men and how they were, um, you know, a lot of them was put shame on, on the young gay men. So just that we're all born radiant children. So that's why I wore that. That's sort of like that, that just the, the default innocence of, of those men, even despite the struggles they had or something. That yeah, they despite just, what yeah. we all do, right? Yeah. And like at one point, hopefully we were that way. So I think that's yeah. why. I think that's, yeah, that's where I wore it. And um, so, yeah, I think that, that the way that I work with the community and a lot of community members that are served, they just have beautiful language sometimes, the way they say things. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to write that down, you know, and I'm going to use that. And yeah. like, um, and it's real, you know, how people are expressing a feeling. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try using that line. So yeah. I'm inspired from the community yeah. around, I, I guess, around truthfulness. Well, and it's like, Art can be, it strikes me that it can be like so solipsistic, you know, like so enclosed in its own world. And like a lot of, you know, I, I, this is true. I, I know probably more directly from writing, but just like feeling like you don't, like you don't have anything to say, like you don't know, like, like, you know, you're out of ideas or something. But the way that you have stood in the river of some of the toughest parts of humanity for decades in this city, like, I just think that would be less of a problem for you. Like you're seeing a lot of stories every day. Yeah. 
like very intense stories, people who are in very different places than you are. And that can be the hardest thing to subject yourself to or to, to be in the position to experience, right? It's just very different walks of life. Yeah, and just a reminder that what resilience means, you know, like, I mean, it's uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I think I understand what the word resilient is. And then I meet somebody and I hear their story. I'm like, whoa, that's a whole other level. That's 6.2 or whatever, like a resilience. You <laughs> On know? the resilience Richter scale. Yeah. And, like, and I also meet people who from the outside, it's easy, they're easy to judge, you know. And then you start talking in like just the history, the knowledge and just information that people have, you know, the intelligence. I mean, one of the most intelligent folks I've ever met are the people that I serve, and you wouldn't think that, you know. I don't think that's the first thing you think about, the right. folks that you know. Yeah, in, indeed. Um, they be breaking shit down. They, you know, a lot of folks, they read the paper every single day. That's how they knew about my stories, because a lot of folks just, that's part of their practice is reading a newspaper. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't do that anymore. Right, you know? right. So you have some, like, news literacy on the yeah. streets that... Well, I remember I, I, I used to do, uh, I used to fuck with Street Cheat here. Remember yeah, the, like, yeah, the homeless yeah. newspaper, which yeah. is like... Homeless Coalition. Yeah. yeah. It was like... Shout out. Uh, that, is a, that is a print publication mm -hmm. that was doing like good work, you know? And it's mm -hmm. just out there as a way to people make money, but also to like report and read. And like, it's just this really interesting culture of literacy kind of overlapping with like homelessness and, and homeless advocacy that was mm -hmm. pretty fascinating. They're still doing that, yeah. And the folks who are selling it, they get to keep the other, other funds to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I get to glean from every. I mean, I feel like I glean from different parts of my, my world or or, or people that I'm connected with. You know, to to tell my stories and stuff. So. Let me back up to the to the front and the the one thing that I often like have to catch myself, especially with the San Francisco stuff, is that people really might not know. Uh, what the mission district is. Um, so how would you describe in like a couple sentences, how would you describe the mission? Well, it's a valley and it's always warmer than any other place in San Francisco. Um, I, I would describe that the way the, the light falls in here is the way the light falls in the mission is really beautiful, especially today because it's foggy and then the way the the light goes through the fog. I think that that's really beautiful. Um, and I think also people respond to, because there is a Latino flavor here, you know? And I think that it's why people, Latinos, lived in the mission in the early, I would say like maybe 50s, probably early 60s, just because it was one of the poorest places to live. Like, you know, you couldn't get spaces rent out for any people. So this is one of the places that people could rent spaces. And then they made it, uh, Latinos made it into a very special, vibrant place. I mean, before that, it was like Irish and Italians. Um, and it was also like an industry then of like a lot of like um, companies who did like industries of huge laundry mats, you know, for restaurants. There was the bakeries, Kelpatrick's. I mean, so there was a lot of like folks like this is where they, it was working class at one time for like mostly white folks, Italians, but they got to, the suburb, suburbs happened, so people got to leave. But it wasn't like what's happening now with Latinos where you're being pushed out. Like then, at that time, you know, like the folks that were here that were non-Latinos, it was an option to go somewhere else. Um, yeah. So, so it was in between that, you know, all the industries also closing and then Latinos moving in at the same time. I mean, is there any sense of pride? Because I totally hear what you're saying about having created what was the, you know, one of the poorest neighborhoods in San Francisco and then having made something that is really fucking attractive, like from, you know, from Farolito to like whatever. It's like yeah. people want to be here. People come to just check out Dolores Park. That blows my mind. I mean, it's a different park when we were poly kids, but or people, you know, they have the little maps or books like to go to Farolito but even before that I mean even like we just had a carnaval and it's just amazing right like there's just these moments where nothing's changed it remains the same I mean you still have like especially now in the summer you're gonna have a bunch of lowriders cruising up and down so um there was just Cinco de Mayo and I was working here at the gallery uh, there was like a bands playing out here and it's just like 
whoa, this totally reminds me of back in the day. So there's these moments where we we just celebrate it and be in it because it is like back in the day, you know? Yeah. I mean, most people live, they travel from the East Bay or even farther just to come to get a hit of that. But I think that the combination of place and, and reminiscing and, I mean, Carnival is just like, that's the party to be at, you know? That's crazy. But that's true because they would, as they're getting forced out, they're going to live in the Far East yeah. Bay or like other parts. But this is still like the spiritual people, home. Yeah, this is just where you come back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is where like all the lowriders come back. A lot of them probably don't, don't live here, but they'll, they'll do the, the caravan up and down. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's very special that that still can exist, you know, and to occupy space with that. Right. You know, yeah, to, and to, to occupy public space and rolling your low rider through like Pleasanton, it's just got to not feel the same. I think as there doing used to be a cruise mission. night there, but I don't. I think there's nothing like here, you know. Yeah, like and they'll take over. I mean, they'll just take over. They'll park everywhere. You did a big project on that, right? Or you were involved in a low rider project? Um, I did a short uh, film about low rider history, working with archival footage, and then Carrie, my partner, and Brown Amy, we did a low rider. Um, we um, there's these albums called East Side Story. And there's 12 of them, and they're like these. Um, there were these bootlegs that were made in the um, in the late 70s. So there were like 12 of them, and in the front of the cover, they would have like um, a dude with his homegirl, with his lady, um, his homeboys are in his car. What we did is we reshot each album cover with queer folks, like queer images. Yeah. So we queered each one out, and we called it the Q sides. You you queered them out. Like the yeah. yeah, the Q sides is like the flip side of a B side would be a Q side. Right. <laughs> so that was really great. I mean, we got a lot of drama over it, but um, we worked with a lot of lowriders clubs. Uh, I mean, you know, but with lowriders who are who are in the image. Yeah. The the then the drama you got was like uh, homophobia. Yeah. Hella homophobia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's one thing is like, yeah, the mission's beautiful and it's Latino culture, but it's still homophobic as fuck, you know? Right. And even with that, I'm working. I, I still, I, I, I try to address that with my, some of my work. Yeah, with like Q-Sides, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just how to like, how to navigate both of those things, how to like represent the old neighborhood and what was good about it, but also realize that the old neighborhood would, gave you a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, well, we did get a lot of like, um, they're just trying to say like, there's no queers in lowrider culture. And like, that's the point we made this. I mean, like everybody, every motto that we had grew up listening to those records, you know? Right. But what was really important was the people who really saw themselves in it. Mm-hmm. So that, that was actually like better than the people who didn't believe that, that who were homophobic. Actually, the folks who saw themselves in the footage minute in the image and um, recognize that they were a part of it that was more important than right so 10 people like hating on the project it's yeah. not worth one just saying like oh shit that's oh, yeah. right yeah I, we got, I it was here. so deep it was like yeah i yeah. mean it was really wonderful um well let's uh, let's let's pull it up then um and go go find uh, i don't know i gotta find more more of those kind of beers <laughs> i gotta spend more time just walking around here. the neighborhood oh there is more Here's oh more. man See, it's not just the light that's beautiful in this neighborhood. Yeah. It's the people who will keep pouring out these collectors, tall boys. <laughs> All right. Vero, thank you so much for spending the time. Yeah, thank you. I hope um, that was helpful. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, still love the city no matter what, you know? Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for like just giving me the idea to come out and do the Mission District in, in that way because... It's just amazing the ripples of like that art can have even if you just like people just get an idea in the head and you're like, shit, yeah, that's that's interesting. Like that's important. And then hopefully we'll keep going down. Yeah. Um, all right. All right, then. Cheers. Cheers. Queers. One last. Cheers. Queers. <laughs> Let's get it. All right. <laughs> the trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Emily Marinoff was our producer on this episode. Taffy Mokanyadze, our consulting producer. Alexa Van Sickle is our online editor. Music by Dan the Automator. Episode illustration by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Next Thursday, Emiliana Puyana mixes a strong Negroni at 6 in the morning to bring to our conversation. Bless her. She is a chef and the program manager of La Cocina 
a social incubator that has helped dozens of low-income cooks that have a dream, mostly immigrants and African-Americans, helping them open and own businesses on their own. All these conversations we have been having ultimately come down to financial power, autonomy, and ownership, and nobody's doing more on that front in the Bay Area than La Cocina. We will meet you there.